Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we invite your spirit to awaken us, to revive us, to show us Jesus. Father, as we go into your word, I pray and ask God, let me speak words of truth. Let me share what the scripture has for us. And Father, would you, would you bring souls unto salvation? Would you bring souls unto discipleship? And would you bring souls to worship this morning? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the late 1970s, George Lucas began to film and create what would become an icon and even a cult following to many. And it was the story of what? Star Wars. In the story of Star Wars, you have a, uh, two predominant powers. One of them is the light side and one is the dark side. What you also have are two predominant powers politically in this saga. One of them is known as the evil what? The empire. The other is known as what? The rebellion. As you follow the story, you have uh, in what is customary fashion, you have a totalitarian rule of an empire that imposes its harsh and fast will upon all people in the universe. But you have a certain group of people who decide they don't like that And that they don't feel that it's right or fair for that rule to dominate over all citizens of that universe and of that uh, of that governing body. And so they begin to stage and and underground begin to rally their troops to form an attack plan against both what ends up being the dark side and the empire, which kind of have become one. And you have famous characters such as Obi-Wan Kenobi, Luke Skywalker, Rey, of course, Princess Leia, fighting against the great darkness of Kylo Ren and Darth Vader and, of course, Palpatine, the great emperor. As we read through the Bible, we also see that there is a rule and a reign that is established And it begins way back in Genesis. On the contrary, though, this rule and reign is is not one of evil and unfairness. It is one of righteousness and of justice. And even there in the garden, as we have read, and what we see in the book of Numbers, which we've been reading this week, is there begins to be a what? A rebellion. Not against Darth Vader and his forces, but rather against a good, righteous, and holy God. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open up to the book of Numbers. We will be in Numbers. We're going to spend a lot of time in Numbers today, doing a lot of reading. So I ask if you will have your Bible ready. We're going to be reading a lot today. Uh, But these stories come together to form uh, what is uh, the greater solution to the rebellion. If uh, Tristan, if you would, we have our picture of the year, which is creation, fall, redemption, and kingdom. 
I want to remind us that we're walking through the Bible with the redemptive story in mind. That God is redeeming all of his people. And that after creation and fall, there is a season of redemption which brings us to all into the kingdom which we will rule and reign in. And, and that is what we're walking through. We saw last week uh, that God was a generous God. That he was one who was giving uh, in, in this what this book of Gen, uh, Numbers was, was a replaying, uh, if you will, of all of the, uh, the, the failures that's been happening. We saw in Genesis, there's the, the garden scene. And then we saw as Numbers opened, it was like a new garden scene happened. And then we had also this picture uh, that I showed you last week of, of the tabernacle being surrounded in, in almost a new, in garden-like sense. There's a, 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 a new happy place. It is God in the middle and then surrounded by his people and his ambassadors and then surrounded again further by God's people. And when rebellion would take place in that camp, they would be cast out of the camp. Well, this week we, we continue on that. And, and if, if uh, do you have the picture of the camp? Not of the camp either? All right. Well, we have the, the, uh, the tabernacle right in the middle. I'll try to describe it. And then the Levites surround the tabernacle. And then surrounding the Levites are all of the other 12 tribes of Israel. And, and what we're going to look at this morning is there is a rebellion in each, uh, in each of the tiers almost of who is going to be a, uh, who, a group that will, will rise up against God. Now, within the Levites, you have Moses and Aaron right at the front of the tabernacle. That's going to be important. Because we're going to start with looking at all of these groups and how they rebel against God. So without further ado, let's start with Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. All three levels will, will fail this morning in the camp. You'll see Moses and Aaron are going to fail. The Levites are going to fail and the people will fail. We'll begin with in the reverse order. We'll begin with... The people. Numbers chapter 13. Are y'all with me? All right. Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of the men who were. Heads of the people of Israel. So notice, who is he sending to be representatives of each of the tribes? He's sending a chief, someone who has been raised up or risen above to be a leader. Someone you would expect to be a, a top-notch, top-shelf type person who can make good decisions and lead. We continue in verse 17 of chapter 13. Moses sent them out to spy the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness 
of Zin to Rehob near Lebo Hamath. So you have spies going in now in grape season. And I don't know if you were a kid. I always remember seeing, uh, I had a Sunday school book when, when I was younger and, and they would, uh, the Sunday school books would have drawings in them oftentimes. And, and when you would read this, they, they had these guys coming in the promised land and what did they have on their shoulders? Remember they had these big grape vines they were bringing out with with uh, lots of grape branches with lots of grapes. That's the idea. They're going in and they're going to evaluate: are things good or are things not good? Are the people? Tell me about the people. Pick it up in verse twenty-five. And at the end of how long? Y'all help me out, church. At the end of how long? Forty days. They returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and all of the congregation of the people. All the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and all the congregation. And they showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land which with, with which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Good news, right? It is as God said it was. However... The people who dwell on the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites. Now, if you're not familiar with the descendants of Anak, these would have been giants. Or if you remember from back in Genesis, the Nephilim, these giant people who, who, were, um, who were scary, <laughs> for lack of a better word. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. Who did that? Caleb. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like what? Like grasshoppers. Like ants. So we seemed to them. Well, is the land good? Is the land good? Now here we got another picture of almost an Eden-like position. God has given them something good. God has given them a land to be in. God has given them a place to dwell and, and have fellowship with God. But there's a test. Let's see if this sounds familiar. All you have to do is take the land and not eat of the tree in the midst of the garden. You remember that? All you have to do is go into the land and I will fight the battles for you. There's a test. But what the people decide. What the chiefs decide, what the leaders decide, what those who are well-versed in decision-making decide is that God's command is not what is best. 
God is going to give them the land, he says. But the people decide, well, you don't know who's in there. These people are tall. So they decide that what God has commanded may not be true. It sounds a whole lot like we went back in Genesis chapter 3. When God had said, you may eat of all these things, but do not eat of the fruit that is in the, or the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Christian, may I ask you, are there times when you know what the Bible says, you know what is right, you know what the Word of God teaches, and yet you think, ah... Catch my drift? Life is about faith. And Christian, may I encourage you in this. God has given us commands that may not seem so great at times. And there may be things in there that that we just don't like. We don't think they're the best. We don't think, oh, maybe God, maybe there's an exception. Because my situation is different. Look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept all night. And how many? And and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. How many people? The, The whole congregation said to them, Would it be that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would it be that we had died in the wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Who said they would fall by the sword? Who who said they were going to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones, they will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Let me set you up here, guys. As you read this scripture, you go, what is going on? God has delivered them from the most powerful nation in the land. Through ten miraculous plagues. He even drowned the Egyptian army in how much? Six inches of water. If you missed that sermon, you can go back. He, he drowned all of their army. He brought water from the rock. He rained down bread from heaven. He brought thousands and thousands and thousands of quail to feed them. And he says, go into the land that I'm giving to you. And all the congregation says, oh, oh, wait, there are tall people there. We can't go there. God is not able. What would cause someone to to think that way? Right? I mean, what, what would cause somebody who had seen these miracles and their parents had seen these miracles? Because now you're getting to, to uh, generations and kids and you had seen all of this to say, but, but tall people, tall, tall people are too much for God. It's tall people. 
I'm going to offer to you, church, that, that underneath all of this rebellion, and that's exactly what it is. It is rebellion. Underneath the rebellion that is stirred up in these people against the will of God is something that we, you and I, still deal with today. And it's called the power of sin. And it's, it's still there. It's still in us. Because, Christian, I don't know if you could relate, but there are some times when I know what I'm supposed to do, and within me wells up a rebellion to say, but I don't want to do it, and I'm not going to do it. How does the Lord respond to that? Well, let's look. Numbers 14, verse 5. Then Moses said, then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. The land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not. What's the word? What's the next word? Help me out, church. Only do not what? Rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land. Let me talk about that word rebel for just a moment. I looked up the word rebel. And it can be a, uh, a noun as well as a rebel. But the word rebel as a verb in Hebrew comes from the same root word as, as mara. Now, do you remember what mara means? They named one of the springs when they were leaving Egypt mara. Because the water there was bitter. The word rebel has the same root word as bitter. Why do you think? Why do you think? When Joshua here is telling them not to rebel against God. Do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be bitter against what God has given to you. Do you see it? There is a bitterness that forms in us against the rule and the reign of someone who has authority. You know, you see it in, in governments and countries and all these sorts of things. You see a rebellion that is started against the authority that they've given because they get angry. We're not being treated right. For instance, in the Star Wars saga. They're not treating us well. We're going, we're angry about it. We're, we're bitter about what's going on. And therefore, I'm going to do my own thing. Children, teenagers, beware the root of bitterness in you against your parents' authority. Church member against the church's authority. Citizen of Plaquemine against Plaquemine's authority. And so on. But most importantly, child of God against God's authority. Do not let the rebellion, the, the bitterness fester in your soul, Christian. 
It will ruin you. And that's exactly what happens as we continue reading in verse 8. And do not fear the people of the land, he says. Caleb says, Joshua and Caleb say. For they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them. And the Lord, he is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said, what? Stone them. Kill them. They speak words that are worth, worthy of death. Bitterness had so taken its root in these people that they hated the very words of God to take that land. Stone them. But what a story, y'all. What a story. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all of the people of Israel. God intervenes. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people, and what's the word there? Help me out. How long will these people what? You see that bitterness? You see it there? That rebellion? It's deeply rooted. How long will these people despise me? How long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs that I've done among them, I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make you a nation greater and mightier than they. God's judgment will be poured out upon them. Aaron will have to run out and save them with his censer. And God pours out his wrath upon those who are bitter against him, who have rebelled against his good authority. All the people. All of the tribes. Now we've hit that outer ring of all the tribes have rebelled against God. The new Eden is not looking good. In fact, we see that they take, they have 40 years of judgment, one year for every day that they spied out the land, that they will not go to the promised land. In fact, none of them will see it because God's consequences and judgment upon them have brought them to that place. Friends, may I tell you, God has not offered us today a land to be in. That we can go find on a map. But God has offered us something even better. He's offered us a forever Eden. That will be for all of those who trust. And who get rid of the bitterness in their heart. Against his rule and his authority. And he offers that through his son. He sent his son as a messenger. To proclaim the invitation. Come into the kingdom. Do away with your bitterness against the the rule and reign of, of God and come into the kingdom. And for all who respond to that invitation and say, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Lord, that he is the authority, that he is a savior who can forgive sins. For all of those who will repent of their sin and believe and follow Jesus, he grants entrance into the, the forever Eden. But. As we see and as we've just seen here, there is judgment and wrath for those who ignore, who harbor rebellion in their heart. And, you know, I hear it today often. 
Is it that bad? Are, are we really rebelling against God? We're just living like everybody else. We're not even in jail. We're not so bad. I'm not as bad as that guy. I know what he does. Is it really rebellion or is it just, it's just being normal? And why does God hold the people accountable for just being normal, being who they are? It's not fair. That's not, how could God hold people accountable for, for just doing the things that, that everybody else does? That's not fair. How could God allow these things to happen? How could God do this? To the, and you see that bitterness begin to build and build and build. I can't believe a God that's going to do that. I can't believe a God that would allow these people to, to hurt and die. A, God, a loving God wouldn't allow children to die of cancer. That's not God. You see what that is? Rebellion. Mara. Wickedness. Inside. But friend, I want to offer you that, that hope that he offers. And that is this. Jesus saves sinners that repent. And for all who come to, to the righteous and right king and say, Father, I have, I have committed fouls against your kingdom. But I am willing to give you my life and my servitude and my gratitude for all of my days. Receive me, O oh God. Receive me. I want to be a part. He receives not one sinner will he turn away who repents and comes to him, says the scripture. All right, let me get to the second rebellion. What happened after in the Bible and Genesis chapter three, we had the fall. What was the next big bad thing that happened? Do you remember? There was another big bad thing that happened after Adam and Eve. They were cast out of the garden. Something pretty bad happened. Remember what it was? Ah, it was the murder of Abel. And what happened in that situation? Cain got mad at Abel because the Lord did what? The Lord accepted him. Do you remember? It wasn't what he was offering, but the Lord accepted Abel. And Cain got mad, struck him down. And then we'll read it in just a moment. And then something happened. Right after that. Let's look in number 16. We have another case of almost a sibling rivalry, if you will. Now remember, Levi had how many sons? It was three. Good. Thank you. She got it. And right around, they covered three sides of that tabernacle. And then on one side was Moses and Aaron. You remember. Now, Korah was... One of those sons of Kohol, or uh, I'm sorry, Kohath, who was one of the sons of Levi. Korah is going to begin stirring up a rebellion of his own, even after this first great rebellion. Watch this. Now, Korah, the son of Ezhar, son of uh, Kohath, son of Levi. So Korah would have been one of the Levites right around that tabernacle, just on the border of the tabernacle. And he gathered Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab. And on the sons of Pelah of the tribe of Reuben. And they rose up before Moses with a number of people of Israel. 250 of the what? Of the chiefs. Chosen from the assembly, well-known men. They assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. 
And they said to them, you have gone too far. For in the congregation, for all in the congregation are holy, every one of them. We're all accepted. You aren't special. And the Lord is among them. Why do you exalt yourself among the assembly of the Lord? The Lord, who, first of all, who chose Moses and Aaron in the first place? Who was? God did, right? God found them as a chosen instrument and said, I'm choosing you. And he gives them commands over and over, do these things. And for the most part, they're obedient and following out what God would have them to do. And then the brothers, they get mad because, oh, why do you think you're so special? Verse 4. When Moses heard of this, he fell on his face and he said to Korah and all of his company, In the morning, the Lord will show who is his and who is holy, and he will bring him near to him. The one whom he chooses, he will bring near to him. Do this. Take censers, Korah, and all of his company. Put fire in them and put incense on them before the Lord tomorrow. And the and. The man whom the Lord chooses shall be the Holy One. You have gone too far, sons of Levi. So he's turning their words. Who's gone too far? You have, sons of Levi, brothers. And Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi. Is it too small a thing that God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel? He's even made you in the inner ring, Levi. To bring you near to him, to do service in the tabernacle of the Lord, to stand before him in the congregation and to minister to them. And he has brought you near him and all of your brothers, the sons of Eli, with you. And would you seek the priesthood also? Therefore, it is against the Lord that you and your company have gathered together. You are angry not with us. You are angry with who? With God. And the Mara, the rebellion, has rooted now in the brothers. The inner circle now is being corrupt with this bitterness. Remind me once again, who was it that chose Moses and Aaron? It was God. So in rebelling and being bitter and angry with that, who were the Levites angry with? With God. I have a sign on my wall. If you've ever seen, maybe you've been Thursday night or you've seen me video. It's a sign on my wall and I repeat it a lot in my family. What does it say, Titus? You might, they might not have heard you, Titus. I think at one point this week I pointed at, I said, Titus, remember, and I pointed at my sign. It says, life is better when you do the right thing. And Titus looked at it and went... <clears throat> Church, I'll say it this way because that's really saying it, this, this truth in another way. Life is better when you do it God's way. Life is better when you do it God's way. And when that bitterness roots up in, in our souls and we think, ah, I know that God has a way. I know I'm supposed to be generous, but I don't want to be generous. I shared my story last week. Ah. Rebellion. 
Mara. Aaron, Moses, why do you get all the favor? Ah. They decided God's choices were not the best choices. And here we go. Verse 16. Let me, oh, let me read quickly. Oh, let me read quickly. We got so much, y'all. This is such good stuff. And Moses said to Korah, be present to you tomorrow, you and all of your company before the Lord. You and they and Aaron tomorrow. And let every one of you take a censer, put incense on it. And every one of you bring before the Lord his censer. 250 censers. You and Aaron also. Verse 18. So every man took a censer, put fire in them, and laid incense on them. And stood at the entrance of the tent of meeting with Moses and Aaron. Then Korah assembled all the congregation against Moses and Aaron. At the entrance of the tent. And the glory of the Lord appeared. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Remember last time. The glory of the Lord appeared. To all the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron saying. Separate yourselves from among this congregation. That I might consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces and said. Oh God. The God of the spirits of all flesh. Shall one man sin and you be angry with the congregation? And the Lord said to Moses, Say to the congregation, Get away from Korah, from Dathan, from Abiram. And Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram. And the elders followed them. Uh, and at the end, I'm going I'm to have to, to run down to verse 33. Uh, verse 32. Verse 31 is where I'll go. And as soon as he had finished speaking these words, the ground under them split apart and the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed up Korah and all of his people and all who belonged to Korah and their goods. So that all they belonged to them went down alive into Sheol or the grave and the earth closed back in over them and they perished from the midst of the assembly. And all of Israel who were around them fled at their cry. And they said, lest the earth swallow us up. And fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men offering the incense. Now remember back when Cain killed Abel, Genesis 4. The scripture says this. The Lord came to Cain and said, what have you done? Read this church, read this. The voice of your brother's blood is what? Is crying out to me from the ground. Now in this sibling rivalry. We have the ground. Opening up and consuming. Almost as if. Protecting the innocent before God. So that the Cain wouldn't kill the Abel again. One more rebellion, if I may. Oh, man. One more rebellion is this. And it is Numbers chapter 20, beginning in verse 2. And I'm going to summarize this one. I can't read all the scripture for this one. But here's the, here's the message. They come again thirsty, looking for water. And the, the congregation is grumbling at Moses. And God gives Moses a command. And he says... Uh, in Numbers chapter 20, uh, the people are thirsty, grumbling. They went to the, uh, verse 6, 
says, Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly into the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. And the what? Ha! There it is again. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses. Watch this. He said, Take the staff, the assembly of the congregation, you and your brother Aaron, and, and do what? And, and tell the rock... Before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. Now this is, you know, this is very similar to a story back at another place called Meribah. Uh, on the way away from Sinai. In which the Lord tells Moses to do what? To strike the rock. And many of y'all have heard this story. You know Uh, When the Lord spoke to Moses, he said, I will stand before you on the rock. And then he said, strike the rock. Uh, That's such a picture of Jesus. Jesus is going to absorb the striking of Moses. And as as I read this morning, Jesus, Paul tells us, Jesus was that rock that was walking with them through the wilderness. There's so much here. Y'all can go study it more. But as Moses struck the rock the first time, he was striking Jesus in order to give them the waters of life. And as Jesus said, Jesus gives us the water of life. He gives us the spirit who gives us hope. But Moses, what does he do? God told him a second time to speak to the rock. You don't strike Jesus more than you're told. And he struck the rock out of anger. And you can read this story in Numbers 20. Would love for you to do that. I, I can't read it all to you this morning. Moses in his heart was overcome with rebellion. With anger. With Myra. And he doesn't listen to what God gives him. And what does it cost Moses? It cost him forever in the new Eden of the promised land. Ironic, isn't it, that the first rebellion we look at today keeps that generation out of the new Eden. And now Moses, due to his rebellion, gets brought out of the new Eden. Let me wrap this up for you guys. Christian, if there's rebellion in your heart against the authority and goodness of God, deal with it. Pray about it. Seek God's favor. Pray about it. Tell God you need help. Pray about it. Ask God to remove it from you. Pray about it. Pray about it. Did I mention? Pray about it. Go before God with your rebellion. Ask Him to change and conform your soul. Because all eternity hinges upon rebellion in your soul. So Christian, seek God's favor. If you are not a believer in Christ, I ask you, To do the same thing. If you are rebelling against God. And you know it. And you are drawn. And you say I know that I'm in the wrong. I know that I need to be made right. Pray about it. Go before God and say God deliver me from this rebellion in my soul. Save my soul. Reach out to God for help. Cry out to him. And pray about it. May he call you into right relationship with him. Let's pray together. Our Father, we're thankful that you give us your spirit to overcome the rebellion in our souls. And God, as we we recognize it regularly, 
Help us to fight and walk in prayer. And as they recognize that, Lord, we see the cost, the great cost that it cost them not to deal with their rebellion. Oh, God, may we run. May we flee. May we fight from idolatry. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come to our time of response. If you don't know the